Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program, the show that tells it like it is with your host Steve Z. That would be me. Here we expose the lies of the left, the hype, the hypocrisy, the double standard of the Democratic political party, and all of the clowns currently running our nation. The lies of systemic racism, the lies that Donald Trump is somehow Satan, even though he's been out of office for two years, they just can't help being fixated on the orange man because they know he may be a threat very, very near in the future. There's a poll out right now. Andrew Romano of Yahoo News US says, as President Biden's approval rating continues to bounce back from its summertime lows, a new Yahoo News YouGov poll shows him leading former President Donald Trump in a 2024 rematch by the widest margin since March. The survey of 1,634 U.S. adults was conducted between September 2nd and September 6th, immediately after the highly politicized combative primetime speech last Thursday, which depicted Biden as a Hitler-like figure in blood red flanked by two U.S. Marines. Biden spent time blasting Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans as extremists who threatened the very foundations of our republic. The poll found that if the next presidential election were held today, 48% of registered voters would choose gropey Joe Biden and 42% would choose Donald Trump. This new six-point lead is three points larger than his edge in the late August poll, which had 45 to 42%, and 4% better than his average lead across all the Yahoo surveys conducted between April and July. None of this means Biden is a lock to defeat Trump in 2024. The election is still two years away. Remember, my friends, the truth hurts. And no matter how these liberal, progressive, woke news organizations try to spin it, and the days and times in which they choose to poll people makes a big, big difference. I spoke about racism at the top of the show, and I will speak to it again. Kalen Womack writes in the highly biased, partisan, Democratic, Blafrican-American publication known as The Root that white privilege cards lead high school students to stage a walkout in frustration. The article begins, When the students of Charles Page High School returned for the school year, they were greeted by a number of students handing out white privilege cards in the hallways. According to Fox 23 News, the BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color students, were fed up with the nonsense and walked out in a protest of the alleged racism. The report says these cards were sold on Amazon. They were seen nationally, but this is the first time they were spotted in Oklahoma. The card, which resembles a credit card, reads, White privilege trumps everything. Member since birth, good through death, cardholder scot-free. One student named Fabian Gaytan said he was handed a card and called a racial slur in the same moment. Parents had previously complained about racism in the Sand Springs School District of Oklahoma, 
and this time the Blafrican students have had enough. Public School Superintendent Sherry Durkee said members of her administrative team investigated the incident immediately. She said the district students are really good at reporting things to us, so it wasn't long before they let us know what was going on. She said she had no idea what the students' intended purpose was in distributing the cards. It was probably just some kids having fun, doing things kids do. You know, like you great-grandfathers out there dipping little girls' pigtails in the inkwells. I know, it's kind of classless, but it's fact. If white privilege truly exists, if the black population seems to want to push this false narrative that somehow white privilege exists simply because a person is white and therefore they get all the privileges, why not have a card to identify your white privilege? Sherry Durkee, the superintendent, says, I think students felt the need to have their voices heard, which is understandable. About 40 kids walked out today. There were no violent acts. They spoke their piece. They didn't leave campus. They simply walked out of the class. They disassembled. They went back to the school. She says she understands where they're coming from. She says, quote, I would say thank you for standing up. I want to hear what you have to say. I think our administrative team does as well. Our job is to educate, but a part of educating is listening to them, the students. She said the students involved in the privilege card will be reprimanded, but I can't see how. There's nothing illegal about freedom of speech, freedom of expression. I guess it's just like black kids handing out Black Lives Matter cards. How come we didn't see an uproar and an outrage over that? And here's where the opinion pops into the article, where these folks have no choice. They can't be journalists. They have to give their political opinions. They have to spout their lies. To be honest, punishing the students may not do any good. The problem is at home because Trump-supporting parents are raising their children in hateful households, then sending them off to school with kids they were taught to disrespect. Let's say it for the umpteenth time, for the people in the back. Racism is taught. Oklahoma banned critical race theory, so it's very unlikely the students will learn in school what they're being deprived of at home. What about the racism that taught Lavelle Adams to walk past me in the fifth grade and shove his shoulder into mine and saying, I don't move out the way for white people. My grandmama said white people are bad. All white people are bad. So if you walk in in front of me, I'm going to knock you down. Lavelle and I were best friends from the first grade through the fourth grade. He was black. I am white. And then suddenly, when he became of the age where black parents and grandparents decide to spout hate and instill hatred of the white man into their churin and their grand churin, then that's okay. Because it's only racist if white people do say or act in any way against black people. And it is never racist if a black person does, says, acts out against a white person. It is a double standard hypocrisy, but it's excused because no one wants to call it out for fear of being labeled the heinous R word, racist. They can call you cracker, honky, whatever they want, but if you call them the N word that rhymes with bigger, 
then you are a racist. You should be done away with. What a double standard. Well, if you're going to be accused of it, even by teachers and administrators of having so-called white privilege, you might as well own that thing. You might as well own it. You might as well live it. If you're going to be accused of it, then you might as well own it. Send me one of those cards, will you? There's a funny article going around about Camel Toe Harris, the vice resident of the United States, when she ate a grape for the first time. The offbeat revelation that Camel Toe Harris never ate a grape until she was in her 20s was part of an exclusive interview with the nation's Jack Nichols, who wrote, Growing up in California in the late 1960s and early 70s, with a mother who was very deeply rooted in the movements for economic, social, and racial justice. The vice president was inspired by Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta, and the United Farm Workers, which used grape boycotts to force growers to negotiate. The farm workers movement was very much a part of my childhood, Camel Toe Harris said. This sounds quaint, but I'm so reluctant to say it, but you know, I didn't eat a grape until I was in my 20s. Like literally, I never had had a grape. I remember the first time I had a grape and I went, wow, this is quite tasty. It was absolutely ingrained so deeply in me. Never cross a picket line. Okay, so she admits that she was heavily influenced by Cesar Chavez. We all know what an evil individual that is, was, what have you. So this was called into question, and Stephen Nelson had a New York Post White House correspondence accusatory fact check on the first time Camel Toe Harris supposedly ever ate a grape in her 20s. Nelson, according to this article, Nelson, whose previous hits include, is Biden going to kill his dog? And did the Saudis give Biden the COVID? Nelson decided to fact-check the grapest story ever told. In an article entitled, Kamala Harris claims to eat first grape in her 20s over a labor boycott, but there's a wrinkle in dates. Nelson said, Harris' story is inconsistent with the timeline of the three major grape boycotts spearheaded by Cesar Chavez and the United Farm Workers. Vice President Camel Toe Harris claimed in an interview on Labor Day, that she first tried a grape in her 20s because she would, quote, never cross a picket line, unquote. But a review of the dates involved reveals a problem with her lie. I mean, her account, sorry. Eating table grapes was shunned by labor activists from the time Harris was 19 through 36, meaning Harris would have indeed flouted a picket line to eat a grape if her story was indeed true. And we know it's a lie, she's a Democrat, so she's lying the minute she opens her mouth. The entire basis for the Grapegate scandal is, as Nelson put it, the UFW, United Farm Workers, launched its third and longest California grape boycott in June 1984, just four months before Harris's 20th birthday, and it lasted until 2000 when Harris was 36. Therefore, if she ate a grape in her 20s, she did indeed cross that imaginary picket line and therefore is proven to be a liar. Of course, the White House did not respond to Nelson for the story, but the White House did contact Mediaite. The VP's office pointed to some relevant details that Nelson supposedly left out. 
The boycott to which Harris is referring to took place in the mid-60s and in the 1970s in support of striking workers. The boycott to which Nelson refers as Harris's violation of a picket line began in 1984. It really doesn't matter. She lied. They're going to find other little labor skirmishes and they're going to strike their own line. They're going to make their own timelines and dates so that it doesn't look like Harris lied on Labor Day when she spoke to the pandered unions that she needs in order to keep her job as the vice resident. There's a video running out there right now on the internet. Jeffrey Quiggle writes in Turbo Future, man pulls gun on home invader, tells him he has five seconds, and viewers react. A man is seen scoping out a porch and looking around. Suddenly, the man makes a decision. He opens the front door and enters the home. He soon finds out this is a poor choice in the moment. The owner of the house steps out with a gun. He makes the stakes very clear, giving the man five seconds to scram. Uploaded by at SMP underscore production, the clip understandably sparks some discussion in its comments. One poster writes, The owner did the right thing. He should have given a warning bump, but hey, that's the Texan in me. Someone else wrote, Is nobody going to comment on how fast the homeowner had a weapon ready to be deployed? My answer is, of course not. Mine is right here, right here on my side right now. I'm strapped up sitting in the air chair at Studio 63 in case someone decides to come into my home. There's absolutely nothing wrong with me carrying my weapon. I do so because I live so close to the city of New Orleans that me getting robbed, stabbed, carjacked at any moment is a real possibility. Another person writes, Bravo, dude. We should all take notes on this. No one says he didn't do the right thing, but you should keep your doors locked. Salute to the homeowner protecting his property, one writer posted. Viewers of the video have different takes, however, with compassion. One says the homeowner did exactly what he should, but I feel like the dude that trespassed on the property might need some mental help, and I truly hope he gets it. No. He tried to rob a house. Had the homeowner not had his gun, God knows what would have happened to the homeowner. He might be dead right now. Personally, step into my house. I'll give you three seconds to turn around and put your hands on your head and lie face down on the ground until the cops come. If you encroach into my home any further, however, you will be met with all 13 rounds. One in the pipe, 12 in the magazine. It was a harrowing scene, but thank God the homeowner exercised his Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms to protect himself from all enemies, foreign and domestic. The Independent writes, Man reveals he learned that he was denied a job after he was accidentally carbon copied in the HR email with the quote, So let's reject him. A man revealed that he learned he was denied a job after the company's human resources department accidentally copied him into the email chain. Alexander, who goes by the username NovelTyGay on TikTok, joked about the incident in a video uploaded on Monday in which he included a screenshot of the email he received from a coffee company hiring manager. According to the screenshot, the email read, quote, Well, that's interesting. Okay, so let's reject him, unquote. Alexander wrote in a text caption, Yeah, breakups hurt and stuff, 
But y'all ever been CC'd on HR emails talking about why they don't want to hire you? Hate it here. One person commented, I need to know every single detail. Please tell me you wrote back on the email chain. The video has been viewed over a million and a half times. Wow. In a follow-up video, Alexander revealed that he had applied to work for the company on three separate occasions, including three weeks prior to posting a TikTok video, and even before that in last December. According to Alexander, as discussed in the HR email, the ultimate decision to not hire him came because the company said he did not show up for an interview in December. Alexander says in the video, They supposedly had sent an interview time for this company and I had never gotten it. I applied again later on and this email proved to me that they thought they sent me interview times and they had not. It was not my fault that I didn't show up for the interview. Alexander says the situation is now triggering for him because he would have never been a no-call, no-show for an interview, especially when he was knocked on my ass, broke as shit, unquote. As far as how he handled the company's HR email, Alexander said he responded, ouch, before sending another email in which he clarified that he had tried to set up an interview with the company in December, but never heard back. He says he included screenshots of his correspondence with the company to back up his claims. He concluded the email acknowledging that he has no intention of working for a company that is disorganized as he is a good employee and is trained under nationally certified baristas. That's the most disturbing part of all. There are nationally certified baristas? You mean you can get certified to pour coffee into a cup and hand it to someone? One person commented, so unprofessional on their end. You lucked out. They sound like a huge red flag. I'm sorry, Alexander. You sound like a huge red flag. I can't believe that this has garnered a million and a half views and wasted my listeners' time here on the Truth Hurts program. The thug, hoodie-wearing, goatee-clad John Fetterman, Democrat... Lieutenant Governor in Pennsylvania is hoping to become a U.S. Senator against Dr. Mehmet Oz. And a new ad put out by conservatives showing Fetterman pulling a gun on an unarmed black jogger less than 10 years ago aims to sway black voters in that U.S. Senate race. The half a million dollar ad was created by a political committee backing Mehmet Oz. It says that Fetterman, quote, chased down an innocent unarmed black man, unquote, in his pickup truck, eventually pulling a 12-gauge shotgun on the unarmed black man. This happened in December of 2013. Fetterman claims he heard gunshots while he was playing with his son. He was, Fetterman, the mayor of Braddock, a Pittsburgh suburb. He was there for 13 years before being sworn in as Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor in 2019. The ad is feared by prominent black Pennsylvania Democrats prior to the state's primary. And now it's out there. Black heavy populations in Pittsburgh and Philly are viewed as an instrumental voting block to determine who will represent the entire state. The 30-second ad starts airing on Tuesday on Black Entertainment Television, the Oprah Winfrey Network, ESPN, and MSNBC, with shorter spots being aired on mobile devices. The truth hurts, Mr. Fetterman. You, a white man, was actually out there hunting for an unarmed black man to kill with your shotgun. Oh, Joe Biden would be so happy because it's not an AR-15 style weapon. 
but you are a racist, Mr. Fetterman. It's plain and simple. You hear a car backfire, so you pull out a shotgun and go hunt down an unarmed black guy jogging down the street? Imagine if this was a conservative Republican who was videoed actually pulling a gun on an unarmed Blafrican American jogger. Oh, how disastrous for a campaign would that be? This is the Truth Hurts program. Biden's next dangerous nominee continues a reign of energy terror. Mercedes Schlapp writes, The Democrats' aggressive push to criminalize various parts of the energy industry was further evident this week when states like California passed a rule making it illegal to purchase a gasoline-powered vehicle by the year 2035. Even the lie known as the Inflation Reduction Act, passed by the Democrats alone and signed by gropey Joe Biden, should have been named the Climate Change Obsession Act because of the billions and billions of dollars being spent making their carbon-neutral fantasy seem feasible, not much of that bill at all went to infrastructure. Federal funds, state and federal legislation are part of a broader scheme by the Democratic Party to force you, the average American, to change your behavior when it comes to using fossil fuels. They demonize, they vilify, they castigate the fossil fuel energy. But yet right now in California, Gavin Newsom is begging for more natural gas to run the electric generating stations. Why? The golden state on the Pacific Ocean lacks abundant sunshine to energize all of those solar panels. It lacks the wind to generate power through those windmills and wind turbines and pinwheels dotting the landscape. So they're now having to beg for more natural gas. They're focused on nominating a parade of dangerous anti-American energy nominees for top government jobs at the same time. Most of the nominees could end up doing the most damage to our already struggling economy thanks to Joe Biden's inflation, Joe Biden's recession, Joe Biden's empty shelves, Joe Biden's energy crisis, Joe Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, Joe Biden's disastrous foreign policy, and of course, Joe Biden's crime wave fueled by Joe Biden's southern border crisis. How in the hell is this guy ahead of Trump in the polls? He is literally destroying America day after day after day, and yet the stupider half of America claims he's doing a good job? Hell, they're doing exactly what I predicted in June when Joe Biden's energy crisis fueled by Joe Biden's inflation and Joe Biden's supply chain crisis caused gasoline and diesel prices to go to their highest price in U.S. history. But I warned you then, don't worry, folks. They're going to artificially find a way to lower those gasoline prices two months before the midterms. Voila, here we are, September, and we're two months before the midterms and the gasoline prices somehow have crept lower. Not anywhere near as low as they were before Joe Biden took office, mind you. But when people were paying five, fifty, six, seven, eight, nine dollars a gallon, and now in California it's back down to five, fifty, or six dollars a gallon, where it was five dollars a gallon in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, now it's down to three dollars a gallon. That looks like Joe Biden's doing a great job in lowering gasoline prices. They were $1.86 a gallon when Trump was president. Never forget that. In January of 2021, the day Joe Biden put his feeble fingers on the Holy Bible 
and swore to end the fossil fuel industry, he began his reign of terror by nominating Representative Deb Holland to serve as the Interior Secretary. Her resume up to that point included being one of the House Representatives' sponsors of the Green New Deal and her pledging to vote against all new fossil fuel infrastructure. She stated that she was, quote, wholeheartedly against fracking and drilling on public lands, unquote. Unfortunately, this time, a politician actually kept their word. Since becoming the Interior Department Secretary, she oversaw Biden's moratorium on oil and gas leasing. And she's held only one offshore oil and gas leaks sale, but only because she was mandated to do so by the courts. The next Biden nominee was Tracy Stone Manning, an eco-terrorist conspirator nominated to oversee the nation's public lands. During her nomination fight, it became clear from past court documents and testimony that she sent threatening anonymous letters to authorities on behalf of tree spikers who insert spikes in trees to injure loggers. And then she spent years covering up her crimes. Only when she was promised legal immunity did she choose to cooperate with investigators. She now runs the agency that determines if energy companies receive leases to operate on federal lands. Finally, Sarah Bloom Raskin's nomination to the Federal Reserve. As the American people struggle with historically high inflation, 41-year high inflation since the Carter era, the energy prices soaring through the roof, Ms. Raskin opposes fossil fuels and argued that banks should stop investing in oil, gas, and coal companies. Thankfully, the outcry from sensible Americans reached the halls of Congress and blocked her confirmation. And now we need to do it again. Because in May, Biden nominated Richard Glick. Dick Glick. Dick Glick. That's this guy's name, Richard Glick. The short form of Richard, of course, is Dick. And his last name is Glick. So Biden nominated Dick Glick, Dick Glick, to continue serving as the chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. This little-known commission is responsible for approving natural gas pipeline projects and for ensuring that American energy is getting from point A to point B. Earlier this year, Dick Glick and his fellow Democratic commissioners tried to undercut the mission. In February, Dick Glick led the charge as the FERC jammed through new regulatory policies for natural gas infrastructure projects, and under the new rule, any company looking to build a natural gas pipeline would have to account for all greenhouse gas emissions while it's being built and while it's in operation. So the bulldozers used to clear the land, they emit greenhouse gases. So the companies have to account for and make up for that emission. If a guy rides his bicycle, there are no greenhouse gas emissions, so he gets a pass. But by God, if he drives an F-250 or a car or a motorcycle to the job site, yep, they want that greenhouse gas emission accounted for. The task, of course, is essentially impossible. It will significantly delay, if not stop entirely, the important projects of putting gas infrastructure through our country. It will create an enormous burden on American energy companies and workers and will, of course, achieve Biden's goal of causing the prices to rise so much that people will want to opt for something else. The bipartisan ire from Capitol Hill was swift and fierce. Dick Lick and his compatriots were made to explain why they sought to kill natural gas projects while the American people were struggling to pay their heating bills. The public shaming did the trick and Dick Glick paused the regulation with an eye towards his coming nomination fight. 
The fight is here. The fight is now, and the stakes cannot be higher. My Truth Hurts program listeners, you can bet that if Dick Glick is confirmed to another full term at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, he will quickly resurrect his anti-natural gas policy. Gropey Joe and his administration have not been shy about their disdain for fossil fuels, and you and I and the American people are feeling the pain. In June, as the average gasoline price surged to its highest price ever, well over $5 a gallon, the Biden administration continued at that time to block oil and gas production, and now Dick Glick wants to block natural gas pipelines, even though prices for gas, natural gas, have hit 14-year highs, and that's before Americans even have to turn on their furnaces for the first time for what climate experts are expecting a brutally cold winter. Can't call it global warming, right? Not if it's a brutally cold winter. Biden's high-level nominations have been a disaster for American energy workers and for consumers of American energy. If Dick Glick's nomination is not blocked by the U.S. Senate this fall, you Americans can expect to see an even more aggressive push by these little-known government agencies which harness way too much power in the name of climate change and harbor a deep disdain for you, the American consumer. That's all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great, terrific Thursday. We'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye for now. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music provided by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Thank you.